0: This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter and Bazooka Joe Valtellini. Welcome to another edition of the TSN MMA Show. I'm your host, Aaron Bronstetter, joined as I am nearly each and every week by Bazooka Joe Valtellini. And the reason I say nearly is because Joe is returning from Belgium. And where the UFC had probably one of their greatest European events ever, the Glory event was marred in a little bit of ugliness and got canceled early. Uh, so before we start talking about the UFC, since you were there, you're, right, you're ringside for what's going on at Glory80. I would just love to hear your account of what went on, and uh, I'm sure that there's some stuff you're not able to tell us, but tell us what you are able to tell us and what it was like being in the midst of it all.
1: Yeah, it was just, we've been to Belgium in the past, and uh, it was just nice to be there, to be honest. I just love going to the European cities, and we started the event awesome. I mean, we had some of our uh, up-and-coming fighters really put on good shows. We had knockdowns in every fight. We had good finishes. And the night was just going really good. Uh, We packed the place out. The crowd energy was insane from the first fight. And I just think that uh, really exciting atmosphere got into everybody's vibe. And then when uh, our big fight came out with uh, Badr Hari and our Polish fighter, um, Arik Bishosik, their uh, cultures kind of got clashed. I mean, uh, the Polish guys are part of a soccer, uh, um, I don't know what the word you want to say, a supporter group. (laughs) Yeah, well, you can say it that way. But uh, the big soccer hooligans and supporters and they ended up kind of getting a little bit too much energy uh, in the crowd and the Moroccans. And then so things were uh, got a little messy with some things uh, being thrown around. But and the fight got canceled, but everybody was safe. But wild event, probably one of the most wild things I've been part of. Um, But Again, those who follow kickboxing for many years, anytime Badr Hari fights, you got to expect something that's the thing like from when he was nineteen years old in press conferences fighting with you know Peter Graham to his first fight with Rocco uh with Rico when the Moroccans kind of crashed the 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 ring to to now here Badr is Badr. Badr brings energy, Badr brings you know controversy he's a live or die by the sword kind of guy and I mean crazy event we didn't get to see the main event and we've never I haven't really seen an event ever get canceled before but uh I think glory and uh, the police kind of shut it down uh we just wanted the safety for everyone at that point we couldn't control the crowd as much and we just made that executive decision to uh stop the event which sucked because we missed the main event which I was excited for uh with Jamal Ben Sadiq and Levi Richter so uh, hopefully it happens again and uh, we can keep everyone in control but I know glory's you know, working with the local authorities is gonna do all of their uh, stuff to make sure it doesn't happen again.
0: Well, those are the people I feel the worst for is uh Levy Ritgers and Ben Sadiq yeah. there in the back waiting to go out there and then somebody has to come and tell them that that, that their fight's not gonna happen. Like I'm yeah. I, I, I I feel bad for whoever that had that job. You I have to walk up to Ben Jamal Ben Sadiq who's like six foot eight.
1: <laughs> and, and tell them yeah. The tell match, him his fight's I mean. cancelled. Yeah, the Goliath for a reason, the man's huge, but uh, yeah, it's it's unfortunate. I mean, uh, really unfortunate to see it go that way because a lot of times us kickboxers, we kind of pride our sport in being, "Eh, I'm not going to rip MMA fighters, but uh, we kind of look at our sport as a little bit classier sometimes, you know, I feel like the respect in MMA is really high amongst the teams. I think these guys have 80, 90 professional fights. You see all the guys, Remy Bonnyasky and Botter are friends, and everybody's just one big group of friends, so uh, not much trash-talking, too much happens in, in kickboxing, so it got uh, unclassy uh, last this past weekend, but uh, I'm sure we'll be back, classy as ever.
0: I told my wife it went from Tiffany Van Soest handing her opponent a painting that she painted to to celebrate the collaboration of two fight yeah. promotions. To all all-out bedlam with, like, topless yeah. Polish soccer hooligans running through the crowd, chairs getting thrown yeah. left and right. Like, Glory That's kept it. the feed running. So you could kind of see, like, you could see chairs flying through. Actually, I think that was a good decision by them. Because I think that if you didn't see what was going on, and I don't know if it was an intentional decision or the person that was running the camera kind of just left it uniform and had to take off... But yeah. I thought it was a good decision in the sense that, like, you could tell how bad it was getting watching from home. And you saw a lot of people posting the videos. Like, I, I think that people have to understand the decision to shut down that event. And A, I, well, A, they have to understand the decision from watching what happened. And B, I'm sure that the police probably said, you know, we, we can't allow this to continue and that Glory's kind of at the mercy of the, the local authorities in that situation. Yeah.
1: yeah, that was exactly it. The police ended up coming and they were like, no, this is getting too dangerous. We tried. I mean... There was a good 10 minutes of us trying to kind of settle things down. We had, yeah, you know, people coming on the mic yeah. trying to talk. Yeah, like, I mean, it was kind of weird, but we had to do everything we possibly could to kind of control the situation. I mean, at that point now, it's just everybody's safety is uh, the the primary focus. But yeah. yeah, wild, man, wild. One of the craziest things I've been part of in my life. I've never been, I don't go to some European soccer games. So, I mean, I'm sure to some of these European fans, it's probably something they've seen, but us Canadians, I don't think we, we do these kind of things here in uh, yeah, we Toronto. We our TFC supporters that just cheer and paint their faces. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And the chairs are stuck to the, uh, to yeah. the arena, so they ain't being thrown. Yeah. But I heard stories about European soccer. Like some of the other uh, – my colleagues from Europe, they're like, man, I've been to soccer events where they actually rip the, the chairs off of the seats and then start throwing the, people the things. So, like, like, people get trampled. Yeah.
0: Like it's not – it's no joke.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, so it's real. So I experienced my first uh, pandemonium there, basically, and just uh, craziness. But I got out safe. That was the most important thing. Um, yeah, I just hope people still enjoyed the event and uh, still want to come support us because it was a sold out event and it was a uh, really good energy. you know. Yeah. And, but again, it's no UK energy, but uh, it was still something very special. Absolutely. And I I thought
0: before we move on from this, the Tiffany Van Suist had about as good of a performance as you'll see somebody have in kickboxing. Like that was just masterful.
1: Um, Oh, yeah. I actually just she just posted the highlight. I don't like listening to myself talk, but there was a good minute highlight of Tiffany's whole fight where I'm speaking over um, just because like we do on broadcast. So she used that. But it was like. Defense on point, movement on point. Uh, the fact that she was switching stances and attacking, amazing. In the third round, she got a knockdown with a knee. Then she got a knockdown with a right overhand punch. And then she got a spinning back kick to the liver. So you're looking at different attacks, buried attack, different stances. Like, it was just, honestly, one of my fam- uh, favorite women's fights in kickboxing. Like, just to be able to diversify your attacks like that and drop her opponent because we don't really see too many knockouts and 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 stoppages in the women's fights so tiffany just was on a different level that night
0: she she was like she just turned she went into fifth gear and like you said she was landing three four punch kick combos and just then she was out of there and didn't get hit by anything right like she was she's yeah. fast like she and,
2: yeah.
0: and i love her her ability to throw that front the front leg head kick i don't know if that's what a snap it. kick a yeah. snap yeah. kick yeah, like, like a
1: lead snap kick yeah. lead snap
0: kick yeah the speed in which she throws the lead snap kick is just, I, I, you don't see it very often. And I, it's more, you see it more often in kickboxing than in MMA, but it's something I'd like to see more in MMA. I, I know probably. I think Wonderboy
1: Thompson does it well. Yeah. Wonderboy does that kick well. It leads you to being taken down
0: a lot. I mean, in kickboxing, you don't have to worry about that. So it's probably why we don't see it quite as often, but a masterful performance by her. But let's move on to the UFC card this past weekend. Uh, everybody who got a finish got a bonus. So this was a, This was one of the great, UFC events, you you know, you look at the the lineup, you look at Aspinall versus Volkov, like, it's nothing you get too excited about, but when you look at how everything played out and almost all of the fighters that were representing that locality doing as well as they did, like, that was was a special event.
1: Yeah, I mean, it sucked because our events were on at the same time, but after all of the hype, I didn't get to watch the prelims, but I went back to watch the main card and first thing I thought of I felt like I was watching a pay-per-view. I felt like I should have been paying to watch mm-hmm. this. Because honestly, the energy, the way these English fans entertained, to the performances, to the amount of energy there, to the cheering, it was just, honestly, it felt good to see, you know, a whole country come together for their people. And I think that was amazing. It almost reminded me of the old school GSP days. You know, it kind of gave me that feel.
0: Yeah, and uh, Tom Aspinall is a lot better than I gave him credit for. He was really on point. And you don't see submissions like that, like a straight arm bar in any division really other than heavyweight. (laughs) But uh, nevertheless, I mean, he pulled it off to perfection. He looked great. His wrestling was on point. Striking was on point. I thought Volkov was going to take him into deep waters and and drown him in the late rounds. Didn't get to the late rounds. Uh, Three straight first round finishes Uh, You had Aspinall's finish, Arnold Allen's finish over Dan Hooker, which is one of the more impressive performances of the night, and uh, Patty Pimblett's first round. uh, A bit of a come-from-behind victory over Kazuo Vargas.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think all of those fights were fantastic. Like, I mean, you try to pick which one was your favorite. I know everyone's talking about that Arnold Allen first round being one of the best rounds of the year. Um, Just overall, man, I just loved the energy, the UK energy, it didn't matter i think that's why i wish i was able at home betting on this because i would have put all my money on all the the english fighters that you can't it feels like knowing Bisping's record in the UK of how he never really lost, and now seeing these guys with that energy, I felt like I could have made some good money uh, just putting it all on the English guys. Now, only three of them and, lost. And girls, and, and girls. girls, right? We got to talk about uh, how good Molly McCann did as well.
0: Well, let's talk about her finish, because I think that's a top five finish in women's MMA history, would you say? Like, it's yeah, it's got to be up yeah. there. One
1: that stands out
0: to me is the Rose head kick. When the Rose, Rose head kick over Joanna. Uh,
1: Yes, that was one that's of That's up there. For
0: me. I think the Holly Holm head kick over Ronda's up yeah. there. I think yeah. the number one is uh, Shevchenko's head kick of, of Jessica I. I think that might be the number one, at least yeah, in terms of just there. sheer sure. devastation. Yeah. That's up there. Yeah. And then you got to think back to a lot of Ronda's finishes, right? Like Ronda against Kat Zingano is an unbelievable finish. Like Ronda had a lot of the top finishes really in women's history. For whatever reason, people don't talk about them and forget about them. But a lot of Ronda's finishes were like
1: mind-blowing at the time. Yeah, but they were more submission-based, right, over knockout finishes?
0: Yeah, but just her ability to do them in the first 20 seconds of fights. I mean, if we're talking KOs, yeah, Ronda's probably not there. But um, if we're talking about finishes in general, I mean, that's up there.
1: Yeah. I, honestly, Rose's, one
0: of- Rose's uh, head kick over Joanna? did that end up in a submission at the end? Or was that, I can't remember. Like, I feel like she knocked her down with the head kick. And I can't remember if she finished it with strikes remember. or if it was a sub. I
1: just remember Rose having a nice uh, head kick finish. Didn't she get a nice one against Wei Lee in the first one? Yeah,
0: that's right. The first one. Mm-hmm. And even Wei Lee's finish. first Wei and was pretty good. Yeah, you're thinking of the first Wei Lee fight. That, that head kick. Thinking knocking. of
1: the first Wei Lee, yeah. Yes, that's mm-hmm. the one I'm thinking. Yeah. yeah. But, man, I mean, just great. And the way, like, when you watch that McCann finish. Oh, setup. Like, it was so set up. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, you almost saw her looking at the spin for, like, three seconds before she even spun. So you knew it was something that uh, she was definitely waiting for.
0: Yeah, that's what makes it cool. It's like the uh, Korean zombie up elbow. Uh, Sorry, the Yair Rodriguez up elbow against Korean zombie. Like they had trained those techniques and like they weren't flukes, you know, this wasn't a fluke. Like she caught the elbow, spun and hit her right on the numbers and she was out, out
1: like out yeah that's why it was nasty the Mm -hmm. way she dropped and apparently she was out for a while which was scary but i heard an interview with molly and again this is a little bit of a technical thing because i teach the spin elbow a lot to my guys but the spin elbow she talked about going from six to twelve which is cool because she spins and the one she usually trains comes from up down kind of thing when she spins but she says she just changed it up and she ended up getting the good finish that way so there's different angles you can throw them and this wasn't her traditional way she practiced, but still the spin, the timing, the, the perfection of it, the way it landed was just couldn't be nicer.
0: And I was in touch with um, Luana Carolina's manager uh, after the event. He, he said that she was OK. So uh, that, okay. that's always good to hear because that was pretty scary. They, I always find it odd that they don't show like after someone gets finished, they don't show them on camera for the most part. So it, it makes the audience a little bit worried as to their condition. But I think it's obviously for a reason. Usually that means they're in bad shape.
1: Yeah, I I, pr- I would prefer that, too, not showing it. It's just to see, like, even when you see it in slow motion, I mean, it just sucks to see somebody get hurt that way. Yeah. So uh, it's better to keep it off. I think you put
0: uh, an you have to do an update on the broadcast. Like, at some point in time, you've got to get a producer on the phone with the manager, find out what's going on, and provide the audience with an update. Because it's it's worrisome. Although, as the yeah. night went on, I've got to say, people have kind of forgotten about her, unfortunately. Yeah, because yeah. all these big, big yeah. knockouts were happening and submissions and... You know, after the event, somebody sent me a message. Or I guess during the event, somebody was like, is Luana know, okay? Someone sent me a message. I'm like, that's a good question. Like, you know, so I reached yeah, that to yeah. her manager and then everything was fine, thankfully. So
1: Yeah, I'm sure they appreciate that too. At least when people like the journalists and everyone in the world only wants to talk to the winners and then you forget. That was always the sad part of the game. Like, you I mean, as soon as you get knocked out, nobody cares about you anymore. No one thinks about you or your health. They're like, oh, where's the next person going? So I think that's a nice message and I'm sure their team appreciates you reached out.
0: Yeah, well, you, I guess you didn't get a chance to watch the prelims, which I would recommend you watch. There was a lot of great stuff on the prelims.
1: Yeah, I mean, I want to talk about one before we move down a little bit, but it's sure, the I love the the Tempura fight.
0: Oh yeah, Tempura that was
1: one of my favorite fights on the car. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was easily one of my favorite fights on the car. Herbert isn't a machine. He's big, mm-hmm. tall, yeah. strong, but uh tempura i'm telling you man tough durable and the way he kind of got that nasty knockout with that punched uh left punch to the body overhand was just i loved it
0: you keep calling him tempura i want to go get sushi now for lunch
1: Tempuria? Tempuria? what is it <laughs> Tempuria. well ask him to say my name he can't say no, it I'm, so yeah, that's fair he'll, enough. He'll, he, i'm gonna eat some tempura today too <laughs> yeah
0: okay. now I, i'm craving it now i gotta get out gotta go to one of those all you can eat <laughs> joints uh for lunch
1: uh, there you
0: go. So to, there's one right near house. I haven't house. been to
1: one of those in a while. Neither have I. One of those, I'd like it. But the, but it's nice. different
0: though because they bring you the food. You don't have to go like go to a buffet. No, They'll just bring it all to you. You
1: know. That's it. Yeah. Order it. Eat too much. You and have you'll a be strategy for
0: for all you can eat sushi. I've got a set strategy that I use every time.
1: Yeah, but the, all you can eat. The problem is they take their time bringing out the next order, so they try to make you wait a little bit longer. So I try to get a lot on the first order. Okay,
0: good. We have the same strategy. That's my strategy too. Okay, I just good. order a yeah. ton. I order the amount that I know is going to fill me up on the first order and then the rest is just house money. Yes, And you yes. order the fancy yes. stuff. You got to do
1: it. You got you to make sure yeah. you get your, oh, yeah. your money's worth. Oh, yeah. Come on. Uh, for sure. I'm, I'm a veteran. When we used to go uh, as a family as when we were young. We didn't grow up with lots of money. So we'd go to Mandarin sometimes and the first thing... My parents were like, no bread, because you're going to fill yourself. Bread's cheap. You can't fill yourself on it. Go right to the crab legs. Go right to the meat. Yeah, that's my manager. You know, fill yourself on it. My strategy that is crab you legs. Go. You sit there just for hours eating crab legs, because crab hours legs don't fill you eat up. Crab legs. And you get that fun yeah, opening. That's them. it. Yeah. And you just go there, and, and if there's still some left in it, you don't overfight it. You just throw that one out and just mm-hmm. keep getting more. Yeah. That's it. That's my strategy. Should be, too, we should eat buffet like
0: bros, Joe. We should go one day. Just, there you know, go. Just it's all down.
1: about strategy. Yeah. I when I see people start eating bread, it pisses me oh, off. Yeah, yeah. It's like, hey, You're in a soup
0: station getting chicken noodle soup at
1: uh man, dude. Come on. Yeah. Come on. Have yeah. you ever yeah. been Rookie to the Brazilian steakhouses though? That's the ones you gotta go. No, I've never the, been. To uh, I've always wanted to go. Really? Yeah. I go yeah, to Korean barbecue a lot.
0: Like there's a place in Vegas oh, yeah. I go to that's uh like all you can eat Korean barbecue. That's my my place. You need to go
1: to a Brazilian spot. That's the next one I think you should go. All right, cool. Sounds good to me. I'd be right. happy to do that.
0: But yeah, Topuria <coughs> overcame a, a big Topur, I think it was yeah. a head kick in the first round that that ra- that wobbled him. But that punch that he threw in the second round, like whew, that's putting anybody out.
1: Oh yeah, that was just nasty, powerful, mixed levels. I really enjoyed that fight. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jai Herbert is good. I mean, I just hope he's okay after that. Because I think that was almost uh, maybe worse than the Carolina knockout. Because that was bad. The way he fell, the way he hit the ground. Uh, that was one of the, I think one of the worst knockouts of the night.
0: So, Patty Pimblett was on uh, with Barstool Sports yesterday, and they asked him about his, uh, his pay um, for this event. He said he made 12 and 12, like, plus the bonus. Now, people are outraged about this, but there's two questions here. Well, first off, uh, that's uh, not enough money for a guy like Paddy Pimlet who's yeah. putting butts in the chairs. But he's got a manager. Like, your manager's got to be able to get you. You were a champion at Cage Warriors. How much did McGregor make in his first fight against Marcus Brimage? So I'm going to look this up. Because yeah. McGregor was a two division champion. I'm gonna look I'm gonna look up McGregor Brimidge salaries. Like if if you're if you're and his manager is Graham Boylan, who runs Cage Warriors, like, what are you signing a deal? Yeah, McGregor McGregor oh actually McGregor made eight and eight in his first fight, so that's a bad example. He yeah. also didn't make a mo, lot of mo, money.
1: Most champions, I'm telling you, most champions even they come in at twelve and twelve. That's the that's the standard. That's why I think for patty he's got to take it slow because if he moves up too quick he ain't getting that big money with the bigger fight so for him take the yeah. take the slow road
0: yeah take the kazula vargas of the of, of the world and and get lined yeah. up with, like the, he's not fighting Gilly at Tapuria. there's no chance no chance no. they're lining him up with no. Tapuria. yeah because he's got to protect great- their investment too yeah
3: yeah
1: i i think the best way is sean o'malley He's the one gone slow, taking his time, getting into bigger fights, building the contracts, took his time to get into the top 10, top 15. So to me, that's the way Paddy's got to go and keep building his name and that star power.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, that's... Uh, I can't believe McGregor made 8-8 eight eight in his first, uh, <laughs> first fight. That seems, seems impossible to think about knowing where he's at now.
1: Well, but you got to think, like, I mean, he was a champion of, of the UK, you, you know? It's not like he had... Uh, huge major world titles before coming into oh, it. And you, know like, like, you got to think like Alex Pereira, he's coming in with two world titles in kickboxing. He's making more than 12 and 12. Oh, for sure. Patty's still a young kid who, you know, is still making waves. Yes. He's got a good following, but uh, when it comes to his accomplishments in combat sports, he's not there yet.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. But, you know, I have cousins who just really started to get into the UFC in the last couple of years and I was with them recently, and they were like, oh, we're so excited about Patty the Batty. This was before this past weekend. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, you're excited about it. I was thinking, like, he's had one fight. But everybody yeah, knows yeah. this. Like, everybody knows him. He's this, He's very marketable. He's very, like, I, I don't know. Even after your first fight, if you if you make those kind of waves, like, you can renegotiate your contract or something. Like, making 12 and 12 seems like... Uh, yeah, that's yeah, not money. No, he,
1: does, he deserves more. And the way he promotes it, the way, even just the way he entertained the crowd, that's worth money. You know, from the, uh, I found myself even after the event, I was chanting uh, Old oh, Patty the baddie mm-hmm. to myself. <laughs> I'm, I'm whistling it to myself because it was so catchy, you know, like that in its own showed he's an entertainer. He knows how to put a big, Crowd on now every time he fights I guarantee you even if it's in Vegas around the world people are going to chant it it's fun it's exciting he knows what to do he knows what to do I loved it
0: Uh, Paul Craig uh, pulled off another incredible triangle choke Uh, you you probably haven't seen this one yet but Krilov was like he was pounding him Um, he he took him down early in the fight Um, Craig had a lot of problem getting him into full guard Um, but eventually Krilov was in his guard and he threw up that triangle quickly and it was done. Like, Paul Craig is so much fun to watch. Uh, I'm excited to see what's next for him. But you look at his wins, like, Krilov and Kalayev, Jamal Hill. People don't talk enough about this guy.
1: Yeah, nice. He's a finishing ability, and I think most people always count him out in the beginning of fights. It seems like he takes beatings in the beginning and then finds the submission.
0: Well, he took one of those shots where it looked like he was out, and then the next shot woke him up. Like <laughs> So, it's you always... I find that interesting. Um, and Sergey Pavlovich yeah, had a great yeah. performance. Like, this was just yeah. great performance after great performance. Uh, the only s- kind of slow fights were Gunnar Nelson versus Takashi Sato and uh, Elise Reed versus uh, Corey McKenna. But outside of that, like, the rest of these fights were just all action. And uh, yeah, Dana I mean, White did a press conference afterwards, and, like, I haven't seen him like that in a long time where he was like, this was amazing. It was one of the greatest nights ever. Yeah.
1: Sounded tired, too. Like, exhausted. <laughs> so, you know, it was a good night probably jet lagged all the energy going into that. He was tired.
0: Well, I can't remember the last time the UFC have had two straight weeks of full house shows, um, in different cities. And that's, what's happening this weekend. The UFC is going to Columbus, Ohio for UFC fight night. Uh, Curtis blades against Chris Dawkins is your main event. Uh, really solid, solid, uh, event. I think this weekend, I think there's a lot to like about it.
1: Yeah. I have to kind of dig into it, but, uh, what are you thinking of Dacus, uh Blades? What's your initial thoughts? I think
0: I have to take the Docus KO prop. Like, I think, what's it pay? Docus by KO is plus 400, or plus, you can even get it at plus 500 in some spots. The reason why is because the the kryptonite of Curtis Blades has been people that have good timing. And that's yeah. what docus is. Like, Dacus is has great timing. He's, I believe, a black belt in BJJ. At this kind of a price, at heavyweights. I'd be very afraid to take Curtis Blades even like yeah. even the inside the distance I'd be afraid of, because I think that this could go to a decision. Like, Blades inside is minus 125. Blades by decision is plus 250. I think there's a chance it could go to a decision. There's a chance that yeah. Blades could get a finish. I've always been looking at the Blades submission prop, because he, he never uses it, but he has such good control. That being said, yeah. I just think that if Docus can time him coming in, like so many have with, well, not so many, but like Nganu has, like Lewis has, and Dacus doesn't quite have that kind of power, but he's got the precision. And I think that for as long as this fight's on the feet, Doc is going to have an advantage because that's his best asset, is his um, his boxing. But we haven't really seen his grappling. And from what I understand, like if you look at Kyle Doc as his brother, his brother's a phenomenal grappler. So yeah. I think that even if it gets to the ground, Doc is might throw up triangles. I don't know what he's got in his arsenal. I might have to send Kyle a note and find out. But uh, yeah. I'm I, I just think that there's so much. Um, to like here, maybe Dawkins instead of Dawkins KO take Dawkins inside and protect the submissions plus 380. But uh yeah, I think that Dawkins has a, a, a shot here.
1: Yeah, no, I agree with you. I I always think Curtis Blades by decision because he's so dominant. If he can, so yeah, I would probably say Dawkins inside the distance or Blades by decision would probably be. Yeah. And you can bet both in uh, your
0: Right, like if you bet both those things, you'll still True, be yeah,
1: because they're both. What, plus 400,
0: right? Well, what, yeah, I think the Dawkins KO is plus, yeah, I think plus 500. And the uh, Blades, by uh, decisions, plus 250, right? So if you think it's going to be one of those two outcomes, then, um, yeah. I mean, there's always a chance the Blades gets finished. It's heavyweights. It's five rounds, right? So betting five-round decisions is, is kind of tough. But, uh, you know, we saw it with Uncle Iev, although that's light heavyweight recently, that went to full, the full 25. Um, you got Grosso, and this is
1: with a crowd as well, right? Yeah, this full, is a, full capacity, the Columbus, Columbus Ohio. I believe right. is
0: sold out. Uh, it's not. It's one of the kind of smaller arenas. Uh, what's the capacity like? at nationwide? Nation- oh, actually, there's a hockey arena. Yeah, no, never mind. This holds twenty thousand people.
1: This is this is a full. I think arena. I went to an event in Columbus, I believe, years ago.
0: I would love to go there. I was thinking of going to this one. And just driving there, it's like a six six or seven hour drive.
1: Yeah, that's why we did it because they they put an annual fitness uh, the show, the Arnold class. They're all yeah. in Columbus. The Arnold, and then from the Arnold's, we kind of combined the weekends because they used to put the UFC weekend attached to uh, the Arnold there, so it worked well.
0: Yeah, so this one is uh, an interesting card. Uh, Joanne Wood against Alexa Grosso. Uh, I, I like Grosso by uh, by decision here, but it it doesn't pay that well. What's Grosso? Grosso decision is well what's grosso unanimous grosso unanimous decisions plus 110 and uh grosso by decision overall uh, it's missing here oh, there it is minus 150 but you can get it in some places at minus 120 like if you can get grosso by decision at minus 120 i would recommend that i think i think that for this is bite's going to take almost uh take place almost entirely on the feet and i think that you know we've seen that joanne wood gets hit a lot and uh grosso's mm-hmm. boxing is so on point so fast i just uh I think it would, it would take a lot for Joanne Wood to get the upset here. But, you know, she's had, when she has a good night, she can beat almost anybody.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I, I'm agreeing with that Grasso decision line. I think that's the one to make for sure. Matt Brown, Brian Barbarina. I'm this Matt Brown. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a fun one point. I want to talk, hear so your in, opinion on. It's in yeah. Matt
0: Brown's backyard in Columbus. I would have to lean Matt Brown. I haven't been super impressed with what I've seen from Barbarina in recent fights. It feels like Me too. It feels like he's lost a step. And Matt Brown recently has looked very good. I mean, he's, I think, 40 or 41 now, but I, I think that I, I'm interested in what a Brown by decision pays. because This fight could go the distance. Brown by decision is plus 600. Like, if you can get Brown by decision yeah. to plus 600, you could do a lot worse than that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I just think Barbarina gets hit too much, and I think if Matt Brown has those nasty power in his elbows, um, good stand-up, good IQ, I think he's a little bit more technical on the feet than than Brian, but, uh, yeah, I'm liking Matt Brown here for sure. Yeah,
0: that, that's the way I'm leaning. I would probably just take it money line. It's even money. Um, yeah. Askar, Askarov, minus 380. Kai, Kara, France, plus 290. Uh, Askarov, by decision, is minus 110. That's what I'll be taking in this one.
1: Yeah. I Or, I mean, I, I wouldn't mind Kai maybe put a little bit on, uh, even just straight up to win, even if you don't want to. I think Kai always has a chance. I think he's got... Uh, He's got that it factor where he can do something even against uh, a guy like Askarov.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with that, and I think when damage is the name of the game, Kai Kara-France can steal some rounds there. Uh, it's a lot of good. It's good value on Kai Kara-France, except I, I just think that the most likely outcome of this fight is Askarov winning by decision, and to get that at even money. Oh, yeah, I think that that's yeah. that's a kind of a safer route. And to take. Kai's
1: last fight was the big win versus Cody, right? Um, no, who did he fight? Who did Kai fight? Was, it wasn't Cody Garbrandt, was it?
0: Yeah, it was. He got the knockout over at Cody Garbrandt. First yeah, round. Yeah. So,
1: so that was a huge uh, win for him. Yeah, he's got that power, right? But, I mean, Ascroft a little bit more technical, probably well round, more well-rounded than uh, Cody
0: anyways. little Latifi, minus 200. Alexei Olenik 170. I would have to side with Olenik here. I, I probably won't take it, but I think Olenek can win this fight. You know, the, the problem with Latifi is... Really? He, he barely throws any strikes. Like, his output is so low... And he, you saw his fight with Derek Lewis where he had, like, top control for, like, four minutes and lost that round because he didn't throw anything. So I, I always am turned off by that. And I think that if, if his strategy is going to be to take down Olenek, Olenek is going to throw the kitchen sink at him for the entire fight because he's a submission-based fighter. Yeah. And if it's on the feet, I think— Yeah,
1: I like Latifi. Yeah,
0: I think I think that's fair. Like, But I think at minus 200, like, what's, like what's the Latifi decision prop? Because that's probably how it goes down, except you know, Latifi decision is plus 215. That's not bad. Because to get, yeah. get finished against them? Uh, I don't Lateef know. Is
1: a little bit, mm, it'll be tough, but Olenek is how old now? In his forties? Yeah, his oh yeah. forties. Oh yeah, yeah. He's
0: in his, I think he's forty-four yeah. or something.
1: Uh, he's closer to fifty, you know. Like so, I, I think age you got to take it to factor
0: here as well. How old is Olenek? He 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 started his career in nineteen ninety-seven, so <laughs> that'll tell you something. Yeah. How old were well, you in nineteen ninety-seven, Joe? Twelve. Yep. Yeah. He, yeah. He's forty-four.
1: Yeah, so yeah, I think the age factor alone is something to, to take into account. That's yeah. a, that's an old man. Jeez.
0: Yeah, Latifi at heavyweight's a big boy, so we'll see how that one goes. Uh, Slava Borshev, minus 155, Mark Diakizi, plus 135. Uh, I like Borshev here. I've been very impressed with him. Uh, he looked great on Contender Series. looked really good in his last fight as well. And and I'm a, kind of the, on the opposite side with Di- Diakizi. I haven't seen much from him in recent years that, that makes me think that he's going to be able to beat a guy... Who's an up and coming guy like Borshev. Like the last win that he's had is almost three years ago.
1: Yeah. Mark I liked Mark, like you said. He was being really strong in the earlier parts of his career. Then he's kind of fine this little plateau, but I think if he finds himself his striking's really good, really strong, I think he can do some work. I like Mark.
0: Yeah. Well we'll see how this one goes. But I I, I like the Borshev side here. That's that's the way I'm gonna be going with this one. Um, I might have him in a parlay or something like that. But with, potentially with Neil Magny who's fighting Max Griffin as the headliner on the prelims. He's a minus 240 favorite. I just don't see where Max Griffin's better than Neil Magny. It, it, really, on the feet, yeah. I think Magny's got an advantage. On the ground, I think he's got an advantage. In the wrestling, I think he's got an advantage. So I'm just not sure how Max Griffin wins this fight. And you can get Magny inside the distance at plus 300. That's probably another thing that I'm going to be looking at.
1: Yeah, I, I think Magny gets the win. I will probably because, you know, he's a, a more than two to one favorite. I'll probably put him by inside the distance, but he gets the win. Yeah, Definitely. I can't see Max Griffin uh, doing much.
0: Magny's last four wins have been by decision. But Magny's, uh, Magny historically has been someone who looks for the finish. I just think he's fought tough opponents. Like you look at these four wins, Li Jingling, uh Rocco Martin, who I don't I don't know if Rocco Martin's been finished in his career, uh, Robbie Lawler, um, and who at the very least is durable. And, uh, and Jeff Neal. So those are tough opponents to put yeah. out.
1: Yeah, I, I think Magny's just that guy who, who is always going to be in this top 10. I don't think he'll ever make his way to the top, but uh, he'll always be dangerous. He's tall. He's rangy. He's an awkward style. So he's tough no matter who he fights. Yeah.
0: Now that said, Max Griffin's only been finished once. It was by Colby Covington, so that's something to keep in mind as well. I'll probably just parlay Magny with with Borshev. Um, Sarah McMahon against Carol Hosa. Hosa a minus 210 favorite. McMahon, plus 175. This is kind of an interesting one because I think that McMahon can take uh, Hosa down and, uh, and make her life difficult. But at the same time, we've seen this time and time again where, where McMahon slows down and gets subbed at the end of fights. Hossa, not necessarily the, the most potent submission finisher, but she has uh, arm triangle chokes. Um, you know, She has two submission wins. She has an arm bar. So she has the weapons. This one's kind of a pass for me.
1: Yeah, I mean I don't know much about uh Hosea there, but uh Sarah McMahon's tough, but I find I found her a little bit inconsistent the times I've watched her. Um so yeah, this is one I'll probably pass on as well. Uh,
0: Dana Batgaray or Batgaray Dana as you would pronounce it uh in his native nomenclature. Minus one forty five, Chris Gutierrez, plus one twenty five. Uh I think Batgaray gets the win here, but uh, another one that I'm not too too confident on.
1: I just like Gutierrez because of his low kicks and being with uh, Mark Montoya but uh I and I don't know enough about his opponent to kind of make a read but uh I'll be watching that that one I'm interested in the one the next one I hope uh the commentators have their <laughs> their skills on uh how would you say it athletically
0: Khirsiev Khirsiev even had
1: some kicks in there
0: Khirzryev, Khirzryev. Yeah. Yeah. against Dennis Julian yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm doing the best I can. Joe, there's a new name. I, 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 he's new. new he he just got okay, signed. Short notice Magomedov. All right.
0: Yeah, he's supposed to fight. Yeah, he's supposed to fight a boost uh, Magomedov, but uh, ends up with uh, Dennis Chulilin, who is a newcomer. <laughs> trains with, um, trains at Extreme Couture. Trains at a good camp, um, but I think Kirziev round one. What that prop hasn't come out yet, but that's probably what I'll be looking at because Kirziev most of his wins are in round one. Short notice opponent. I think that that's probably how this one goes down.
1: Yeah. Um, now the rest of the card, I don't really know too many of the like, guys. You know Manon so have Fureau, right?
0: Have the French kickboxer who's been really making waves in her fights. She's against Jennifer Maya. This is these are the odds are huge. Minus four fifty, Maya plus three forty. Uh, I'm going to be taking the Fureau decision prop at minus one hundred five. I don't think that she finds a finish against Maya in this fight.
1: Yeah, I remember Fureau looked good last time, staying long and rangy, if I remember correctly. And Maya's, I found more of that shorter, compact fighter who just. Kind of comes forward, so yeah, I like Fiorello in this as well.
0: Yeah. So for for my dart of the week, what I might be doing is I might I might do a parlay of um, here. Let me let me see what this adds up to. Uh, all right, hang on, hang on, Joe, hang on, hang on, audience who's listening to, to me to me uh, put together a parlay here. At it's plus, worth it. Plus six sixty nine. Borshev. Okay. Neil Magny Askarov by decision. Fiorello by decision. Plus six seventy.
1: Hmm. That's the dart. What do you like for your darts of the week? Over plus 500? You try to go?
0: Yeah, something that's over plus 500 usually.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. I also
0: like Nikolaou. Mateus Nikolaou. Plus 100 against David Dvorak. Minus 120. Uh, I think Nikolaou's got a lot of advantages in this fight. Uh, I'll probably be looking at him as well as a pick for uh, for a pick this week.
1: Yeah, Nikolaou's uh, the underdog.
0: Not by much, but uh,
1: yeah. Yeah. I don't know much about them to make a decision.
0: I know you need to go. So I just want to bring up one last thing with you. Uh, this incident involving Colby Covington and uh, Jorge Masvidal. Uh, I'm sure you've read about it. I'm just interested in your take on it. I mean, I listen, I mean, if you're going to antagonize Jorge Masvidal and, and you are familiar with his background and what he's all about and how he's marketed himself, because, listen, at the end of the day, if he ends up getting charged and whatever gets probation or something, what what does this do for him from a marketing standpoint? When
1: you think about it, like is it? I, I yeah. No, continue there, sir. Like
0: if obviously it's a crime; it's against the law. You shouldn't be doing this kind of thing. But if you think of how he built this reputation—the three Ps in a soda—you know, getting these knockouts early on, him building himself up as uh, street Jesus, you know, like all of these things—it all kinds. It's on brand for him, is all I'm saying.
1: Yeah, I just honestly, you. I don't know what happened, to be honest. So I kind of need to hear a little bit more. I know they got into a little altercation in Miami, but I don't know to what extent and what happened.
0: Okay. So, based on the incident report from police, um, Colby was at dinner. He was actually there with the Nelk Boys, who do a, a podcast that Dana White seems to be very fond of. Yeah. Um, and is very popular. Uh, I believe they're Canadian as well. So, uh, you know, shout out to anybody who's Canadian that's doing big things. Um, and yeah. they were uh, at the Pappy Steakhouse in Miami Beach. And uh, I guess the Nelk boys, or one of these guys from the Nelk boys, posted pictures of them being, oh, we're with Colby Covington, we're eating steaks, blah, blah, blah. This gets to Jorge Masvidal, who has vowed that if he sees Colby Covington in the streets that it's, you know, it's on or whatever. And uh, showed up there wearing uh, a mask and hoodie and sucker punched Colby Covington and then left. And uh, apparently... Wow. Uh, at Jeez. least, a, Yeah, and, and might have knocked out one of his teeth. So... Ooh. Yeah, so yeah, this is real stuff.
1: Yeah, okay. I didn't hear this. That's crazy.
0: Yeah, so it's, again, not a great look, because I don't think that uh, this is the way... Listen, you have 25 minutes in the cage with him, (laughs) and that's where you settle your differences. I don't think there's any reason for, you know, street justice, but, uh, again, we kind of know how Jorge Masvidal operates in these kind of situations.
1: Yeah, because I've seen Colby posting a lot basically showing, like, mocking Jorge, but it's social media It's part of the game. That all that trash talk, I, I understand. But um, what what's happening now? What's uh, the police are involved? Yeah, is someone I, it getting looks like charged? Kobe's going to press charges. Okay, jeez,
0: yeah, it's, all it's, right. it's, it's a real deal. I mean, and I was saying yesterday is like, how many of the incidents can you think of that are outside of the UFC promotional scope? Like outside of an event, outside of whatever, where there have been incidents with two, with two fighters where they've gotten into it, like where there's been a real altercation.
1: Usually it's uh, Conor McGregor, that's about it, <laughs> and that's well, outside but, of Conor. But
0: but with with two mixed martial arts fighters, this has never happened with McGregor outside of a promotional thing, outside of a uh, UFC event. There's the bus throwing thing, but that happened at media day.
1: Okay, that, that was media day. Yeah,
0: three of them have happened yeah, with Covington I guess you're right. three times outside of the UFC stuff. You had the thing with the boomerang with Verdum a couple of years ago. You had uh, that's right the situation okay. with Usman at the buffet in Vegas with. Uzman that and his was the manager. one I was trying
1: to think about who it was with, yeah. yeah. And okay. then you have got this one. Like we got three incidents
0: involving Colby Covington and different fighters outside of the cage. Now I don't know if Colby's just writing checks that he can't cash with his mouth, and and people are taking him very seriously, which I think is also odd because I think it's clear that this is just a uh, an attention grabbing gimmick. Um, but I mean, I know there's a lot of pride involved here, but I don't know. It's just it's very odd.
1: Yeah, it's not Colby's fault. He's just playing his heel role. Yeah, and he's not instigating you know, it outside of the great. cage.
0: Like, he's just just using his platform to build up his own persona. But I guess there's collateral damage here where now people are coming after him.
1: Jeez, okay. It's getting serious. Yeah, I didn't hear that. I'm surprised I didn't read that. Yeah. So, or to the extent of that.
0: Yeah, so uh, we're going to see what happens because he might get charged in the coming days. We don't know what's ha- going to happen with, uh, with Masvidal from here. It uh, seems like... Uh, you know, a real deal, real deal type stuff, right? Like I don't agree with that. I don't think it should be happening, but I think ultimately if you're Jorge Masvidal and you know, he's going to listen, you don't have a criminal record. I mean, ultimately that's, that's the big deal here because that might, he might not be able to compete outside of the States, which would be bad.
1: But he needs to control himself. I mean, him in the Leon Edwards situation now rolling in a mask to, you know, come on, you gotta, you gotta have a little bit more class in, in your role and your position. I mean, I get, Kobe's in his role you're in yours you know I get it but you took yours a little too far you well, know once you start doing stuff like that it's a little too crazy
0: I guess for those who thought that this thing was a gimmick it's probably uh, that they were really friends and they were orchestrating this thing eh, probably uh, I think that that's probably yeah. going to push you in the other direction yeah. Yeah. That's, Unless you're a real insane. conspiracy yeah. theorist and you're like, this whole thing was set up and then the, the elk boys were in on it. And the, yeah, yeah. if you really want to go down that rabbit hole, I mean, it, that's on you. But I think the, I think yeah. we have enough evidence to, here to uh, believe that this is no longer uh, an orchestrated uh,
1: feud. Yeah. Jeez. I'm curious to see what happens. I'm sure they're not going to fight again. But yeah, uh, I don't see. Or is it leading into again. it? No, so. But uh, interesting. Jan, these guys got to keep it in the ring. That's what I was saying. Kickboxing, we try to stay classy here a little bit. We don't We don't want to do this stuff outside the ring. Yeah. We don't do that stuff. Right. There we go. Yeah,
0: well, we'll, that? we'll have to see. Uh, hopefully, that doesn't happen at the Glory event again. That that was... Just watching that in real time was surreal. Like, you don't see this kind of thing happen at, at events like, you know, any sort of combat sports events where they just get shut down in no. the middle.
1: No, I just think it's probably one of the first times it's ever happened. So... Yeah, lots of crazy things in combat sports. They always say like, you know, you can't take, you know, like the they're, they're excuses. They're like, well, they're fighters. I was like, yeah, yeah. no, we're athletes. Okay, we're athletes and martial artists is what we try to do. So don't don't blame it, it on in that. The we ring, fight too. for a living.
0: Like those, yeah, the like, Polish hooligans probably cost him a win. Like he was on. It was either going to be a draw unless unless Botter dropped them in the third. Like it was trending towards Vasovic winning.
1: Yeah. Like at least yeah. if you're going to go wild, wait for I guy to round, win the fight. It would have been an extra round. Yeah. And then an extra round would have been insane. We would everybody right. would have lost it if there was an extra round. Oh, right, there's no draws. So, it was a fourth round. There's no draws in kickboxing. Yeah. We go an extra round. So imagine yeah. that like the energy and the atmosphere of would have won that third round to go to an extra round. It would have been crazy. Yeah. Oh, for sure. So wild. and,
0: Basocin, and also Hader, Bader Harry's on wobbly legs in the corner. Like he has 1 minute to recover. They extend that yeah. like. Let's say the fight would have continued ten minutes later. Hari would have been fine. Like he would
1: have, he would totally have shaken recog- off the cobweb- cobwebs. Yeah, they ruined it for him. They did. His own team ruined it for mm-hmm. him. Yeah, they did. Yeah. But uh, I, I, I was talking to the Polish guys after, and they were just kind of like everybody was in the situation of diffusing responsibility. Bader was thought the Polish guys started it. Then the Polish guys were like Bader was egging them on. I was just kind of like. Okay, guys. Let's in your, seats. In your seats. Enjoy the event Your seats, please. Yeah, like you just ruined it for everyone. Whoever started it, you just ruined it for everybody else. That's traveling to Belgium
0: so. for if you're in Poland, so you can like, I don't know.
1: I, I don't well, they that support culture. him Right? I think that's what it is. He's right? Part of the he's part of the, the he's part of those that group. Right? That's he goes awesome. to all the soccer games with that group. So okay. that's why they came to support him and then got carried away.
0: Well, I know you've got to get going, so thank you for this, Joe. I'm going to uh, throw to some of our interviews here. Uh, I had the opportunity to speak to uh, Curtis Blades, Chris Docus and Carr uh, France, who, uh, of course, are competing this weekend at the uh, UFC Fight Night in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, appreciate their time and appreciate your time, Joe. We'll, uh, we'll be back awesome. next week um, to recap UFC Fight Night Blades versus Docus. It's the first UFC fight night that's on the road with a full house. And Chris Dawkins is headlining his second straight UFC card. This time, it's in the big cage. You know, Chris Daukis, you have an advantage in the big cage against most UFC heavyweights. But Derek Lewis last time around, not so much. And I think yeah. against Curtis Blades, you're probably happy to be in the big cage.
4: Yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm definitely happy to be in the big cage. Uh, get more movement in there. Uh, just to be in front of crowds and just to be a part of, you know, a real, you know, UFC fight night. It, it feels good. Um, I'm really excited to, to step in there and, and hear the the crowd get all crazy again. So, yeah, it's super exciting.
0: Do you agree with that assessment, though? Like, in the small cage, you usually would have an advantage over almost anybody. It actually would work yeah. to your advantage. But there are, like, a handful of guys at heavyweight where it's probably not the best matchup.
3: Yeah,
4: like uh, Derek Lewis, um, Francis Ngannou, people like that. Uh, you know, Derek Lewis is undefeated in the apex cage. So uh, if I was to fight him again, I definitely wouldn't fight him in front of the, you know, the the no crowd of the apex. I would definitely position or, uh, you know, p- petition for uh, a full crowd, full, uh, a big UFC icon, So
0: Fight him in Houston. He hasn't been great in yeah, his hometown please. as of late.
4: Yeah, yeah, as of late, yeah, that, that, that'll that be uh, another point of contention. If, that, uh, if we get that call again, I'll, I'd gladly fight him in Houston.
0: Speaking of which, when's the UFC coming back to Philadelphia? It's only been in Philadelphia once in like the last seven years or something like that.
4: Yeah, it's crazy. Um, you know, hopefully, hopefully soon. Uh, we definitely have enough Philly-based fighters to uh, at least fill up a, a main card. If we can sprinkle us throughout the the rest of the card, so we'll be set and ready to go. You know, I'll do another main event. My brother gets a main event, or Sean Brady, whatever, whoever the UFC wants to wants to put out there. we we'll be ready to go.
0: And Jeremiah Wells is out there too. Like there's a there's a yep. good amount of fighters out in Philadelphia. Maybe maybe one night only. Paul Felder might come out of retirement. I know he's been toying with hey, the idea.
4: I'm fine with I'm fine with uh, with Paul coming out of retirement for that fight. I'll I'll, I'll give uh, I'll give Paul the uh, the main event status and, and step back and let him uh, you know main event in Philadelphia. That'd be really cool.
0: I proposed a fight between him and Bobby Green as a main event for a fight. I think that would be that's a perfect fight. That would be really good. That would be really good. Both fighters
4: are should exciting to, to watch. Uh, they both bring it, and you know the trash talk will be good, and then the actual in fight, you know, the action will be really good.
0: So walk me through this matchup. I look at your resume in the UFC. You've had yeah. two takedowns attempted against you in your UFC tenure. Yeah. Uh, you stuffed both of them, so 100% takedown defense. Yeah. But when you look at a guy like Curtis Blades, you kind of throw all that out the window.
4: Yeah, I mean, in my opinion, he's the best heavyweight wrestler on paper. Uh, most takedowns in a fight, most takedowns, I think, in UFC history. Uh, I'm not a fool. I fully expect at some point to be pushed up against a cage, defending a takedown, or on my back in, you know, just 25 minutes, however long this fight goes. He's... Uh, he's a dominant wrestler but uh, in some of his fights and some of his more recent fights you see that guys who can stuff his takedowns or guys that just simply don't accept positions like don't accept the position of him being on top and work themselves to get back up and then are in his face he seems to have trouble with so we'll see how Saturday goes You know, I'm not going to be accepting any kind of positions I'm not going to be resting at any time Um, if he wants to go 25 minutes he can go 25 minutes I don't plan on going 25 minutes I plan on getting him out of there Uh, quickly and just touching him up and we'll see if he can withstand the storm.
0: You're a pretty sizable underdog in this particular fight, but I I think that people are overlooking or at least assuming certain things about you here, which is A, that you're not great at defending a takedown, which we have not seen any evidence of whatsoever, Um, and B, that if you are on the ground, you're not going to have the jujitsu chops, which we look at your brother Kyle, what he's able to do. I believe you're a black belt in BJJ, if I'm not mistaken. You probably would be able to do a lot on the ground if, if you are on your back.
4: Yeah, I'm I'm not too concerned about it. Um he doesn't really advance positions. He he kind of just stays in your guard and and just tries to beat you up there through throw big elbows, throw big punches. Um and I, I think that, that that's another thing that that a lot of people really haven't attacked Curtis Blades with is is offense off their back. They they kind of just accept accept positions and kind of just hold to really just get a stand up, you know, that they people aren't working for for that, you know. Whether that's them, you know, not wanting to give up a big position and giving their back up or move the half guard or whatever, but you know, you have to be attacking off your back. You have to be always, always attacking against guys like like Curtis Blades. And you know, if that if if that's the case, come Saturday, I'm I'm on my back. I'll be extremely comfortable. You know, I'll be throwing up submissions, and we'll see how it goes. You know, we'll see if his uh, his submission defense is is really good.
0: And I think the other thing people are really overlooking about your game is something that has really hampered Curtis Blaze in the past is timing. When people are able to time yeah. him properly, that's where he has basically fallen. You look at Derek Lewis, you look at um, the Francis and Gannon fight. When people are able to time his takedowns, because he often doesn't set them up with strikes, he'll shoot naked takedowns, yeah. people that have good timing, like yourself, I think can give him problems. Do you think that's going to be a big factor?
4: Yeah, absolutely. He's he seems labored in in certain movements that he does, as far as uh, his strikes. Um, but you know, I'm not gonna be able to, to give you a, a definitive answer on, until I get in there with him. You know, he he's he seems big, he seems fast, his long arms. Um, but you know what? From looking at at it, the past and and my my past track record, I'm able to get guys and get their timing down and get their the the distance management down really quick, and then. uh obviously besides that Lewis fight, I've been flawless in the ufc so uh that's what i just really really plan on doing i mean once i start touching him and once i get that timing down he's going to be looking for he's going to be looking for the takedown he, he's going to be looking for the big double leg and as long as i can just time it properly yeah, easy night for me good good night for me
0: now what can you tell people about your grappling credentials that they might not know
4: uh bjj black belt uh 85 to 90 percent of all my training camps are really uh wall work and groundwork and wrestling um it's really minimum striking like i maybe hit pads a total of you know 10 to 15 times throughout an eight week camp it's nothing crazy i'm not i'm not harping on my striking it's really the the wrestling and the jiu-jitsu. so i'm I'm extremely comfortable when the, the fight goes to the ground. It, it's nothing new to me. This is and, and that's what I think most people don't see. Uh, mainly it's my fault. I, I don't take the fight to the ground. I don't allow the fight to go to the ground. Um, maybe I should change that up. Maybe that's a, a different skill set I have to show, but I'm not trying to show those skill sets unless I'm facing guys who are at the top of the division. And, you know, obviously Curtis is at the top of the division, so you might see it come this weekend.
0: I think that would surprise a lot of people because your boxing is so on point. So where did that yeah. come from? Like, if you're only training boxing ten percent of the time, how did your hands get so good? Yeah. Cool?
4: Uh, I don't know. I mean, I was a little sloppy when I first when I first started, but I, I think it's just personal responsibility of of making sure that you know um, I have good technique um, and really just uh, it, it's not like I'm working with any like specific boxes. I mean, the guy who holds pads for me is my brother. Like, it's the same for him. Um, we don't have a striking coach. We don't have anything like that. Like. Our head coach, Will Martinez, he, he does the, the jiu-jitsu and the MMA aspect and the wall work, stuff like that. But as far as striking, it's, it's really just me and him just going back and forth. So everything that I have and i have shown is really just a testament to my brother's striking skill set.
0: I watched an interview with you where you talked a little bit about social anxiety and the fact that you have social anxiety, which I would never pick up yeah. on from speaking with you because you're, you're just such a good speaker. Yeah. You're a good interview. So, so where does that come from? Thank and and when does, how does it manifest itself when you're out in society?
4: Ah, uh, really? It's just like for most people who don't know, um, I was a fat kid growing up. Like I was like 300 pounds. I was always getting made fun of. Uh, I had a speech impediment growing up as well. Um, I had a real bad stutter. So it was just all those factors of you know them getting you know just getting made fun of as a kid, um, always getting put down and stuff like that. That that's really just you know ingrained in me and uh, really just trying to come out of my shell and everything has is, is really helped me, especially with that. Um, and being a, a police officer, you know, I, I, I'm trying to, you know, not harp on the fact that I was a police officer for 10 years, but, you know, I was a police officer and that really has helped me with public speaking and things like that, because obviously you go to police officers for everything that you need when, when you're out, uh, in need of help. So, yeah, so that that's really helped me. And that's really helped me in the whole aspect of, of fighting as well, as far as um, dealing with the nerves of, all eyes on you and, you know, the media and the fans and all that. So, yeah, just just really all that.
0: Is your dad a police officer as well?
4: Yes. Yeah, my dad was a police officer. Uh, He just recently um, got medically discharged from the police department, uh, blew his shoulder and his elbow out. He was a SWAT officer, SWAT sergeant um, for 20-some years. So he was hitting doors and all that, doing all the cool stuff, you know.
0: So. You and Curtis actually have quite a bit in common because his father's a police officer. He has a speech impediment that yeah, really? he's um, had to overcome as well. Uh, so it yeah. seems like the two of you actually probably have a lot more in common uh, than, than a yeah, lot yeah. of opponents do in the UFC.
4: Yeah, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, yeah, I mean, I know who will towards, towards Curtis or anything like that. It'd be cool to, you know, if he wants to catch a beer after the fight, whatever he wants to do. Yeah, I got no, no bad blood against him. Um, yeah, that'd be really cool to talk about him and his dad and, and everything that he went through growing up. That'd be really cool.
0: I'm speaking to him in about 45 minutes. So as long as the city of Columbus doesn't shut down um, after yeah. the event and you're actually able to get a beer in a college town after yeah. uh, a sporting event, uh, then, then maybe that can get set up.
4: Yeah, hopefully, man. Like, it's crazy. Like, it's, you know, it's 1.30 here. Everyone, you look outside, there's still people outside. But, uh, yeah, dude, we showed up yesterday. And we're like, all right, let's go, like, walk around a little bit. You know, went and grab a coffee or something. And it's it was, like, 5 o'clock, 530 and there's, we go outside and there's no one there. Like the restaurants all are, are closed down. There's like one restaurant. There was like a CVS that was open, but everything else is closed. It's super strange, man. I've never been in a city like this. Super strange.
0: Unless like there's like a Buckeyes game. Everything's just shut down. I mean, I'm sure the Blue Jackets yeah. are also playing, but yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it, it, it's
4: just, it's, it's crazy to see. Like, um, I'm, I'm just taken back by it
0: just cause I'm used to
4: Philadelphia and, it always being going. There's always people out. There's you know bars open. There's restaurants open. All that stuff. It's just, it's just strange. All
0: right. Well, hopefully you'll be uh, back in in the home that you're most comfortable in, yeah. the uh, UFC octagon. It's the big cage. It's your self main event this weekend against Curtis Blades. Always love catching up with you, Chris. And uh, best luck this weekend.
4: Thank you, sir. Greatly appreciate it. And I uh, greatly appreciate the time. Thanks, I Appreciate it.
0: When you hear the theme to Mortal Kombat, you know what time it is. Curtis Blades in the main event once again this weekend. UFC Fight Night in Columbus is the first fight night that's going to have a full crowd in North America. How happy were you to hear that you were selected for this uh, this designation to main event such a card?
3: Um, I was just happy to get the opponent I got. Uh, he's, he's highly ranked. He's a good. He got a name, and I went over him. It maintains my position in the rankings so that's really what i'm focused on I'm, I'm i'm happy the fans get to be here so i can enjoy it but even if they weren't here I, i'd still be happy
0: now one disadvantage for you is that this is in the bigger cage which usually uh, favors strikers over wrestlers uh, although your striking has looked phenomenal of late anyways yeah. but uh do do you, do you see it that way do you prefer to fight in the smaller cage
3: no, actually, I see it the other way. I prefer the bigger kid. I like space. I like the dance. I, I believe in my footwork, and the more space I have, the more I can lean into that.
0: I wanted to ask you a question about the Derrick Lewis fight, because it's been bugging me since the fight happened. You were doing a great job against him on the feet. Um, yeah. How hard is it for you to train your mind to continue to keep the fight on the feet when you see an opportunity for wrestling, but you know you, you know that the wrestling could be effective, but you're already doing well on the feet?
3: Yeah, that was uh, um, I was learning. I had to learn. Um, after rewatching that first round over and over and over, yeah, I was handling them. I was I was destroying them. Like I don't, I think it hit me like once or twice, and they weren't like heavy hits. It was when I I slowed down and I I put blinders on because in my head I was like I'm getting this takedown, and I didn't set it up. And that's what we learned. You have to set up the right angle if you want to shoot a heavyweight you just I've, it's happened to me before in the past like I'm on the way with it but I've had to eat a heavy shot it happened against Mark Hunt it happened against Alistair he got me with a uh, a switch knee I just dove head first into it. I didn't set it up and he was able to land a knee I was able to, to still get the takedown but that could have just as easily ended up like the Derek Lewis fight. I could have woken up in an ambulance. So I didn't learn my lesson against Alistair Hunt. I learned against uh, Derek Lewis.
0: And even against Rosenstruck, I, I believe he hit you with a pretty big knee as well.
3: Yeah, but that one wasn't so much my fault. That was him. He, he did a great <laughs> job. He set that up. So that, that one, yeah, not much you can do about that.
0: Yeah. yeah, I'm glad you can look back at that and say, well, there's nothing I really could have done about that one. It's just it's just good yeah. technique. Mm-hmm. So... um. What what can you do though mentally in, in order to make sure that something like that doesn't happen again? Like, what have you changed in terms of your approach? Uh, are you able to kind of turn that off? Because when you have that wrestling ingrained in you, sometimes you'll default to it.
3: Yeah, uh, I mean, it's, it just being more aware with every fight, I gain more experience. The the fight slows down, and when it starts to slow down, that's when you can make those like decision, decisions. Like, when it's all crazy, hyper-speed, that's when you let your instincts take over. But when it slows down, you can start making, like, direct, conscious, in-the-moment decisions. And that's what we've focused on. And you never know. Like, I didn't know I was going to do what I did to Alistair until it happened. Like, I'm sure Alistair went into that fight thinking he's going to knock my head off. I'm sure Jorginho thought he was going to knock my head off. We, not, we never know. Like... We have an idea, but we never know. So we'll
0: see. And in terms of Chris Dawkins, your opponent, this coming Saturday, he doesn't have a whole lot of cage time that you can look at in his recent fights. I believe the longest his fights have gone in the UFC is like a couple minutes into the second round in one of his fights. So does he just basically have to deal with what you're going to throw at him? Like, is it more about preparing for doing what you do best rather than worrying about what he's going to bring to the table?
3: I mean, it's always a little bit of... Oath for me. Like, I'm gonna do what I do best, but I'm also aware of what he does best, and that's that's how it's supposed to be. I like, are supposed to find the best way in order to take advantage of of what your opponent does in order to implement your own game plan. Like if you're if you're like the a fight I could use as an example, Izzy versus Paulo Costa. Izzy was him that whole fight. He he's using his pump fakes, he's using the flinching, using the outside leg kicks, ticking, popping, ticking, popping, and eventually, organically, he able to find a knockout. That's what I like to do. I like to organically use my boxing, use my footwork. I don't want to force the shot, but when the shot does present itself, I want to be able to recognize it and take advantage of it.
0: Now you're close to doubling up the next heavyweight that has landed the most takedowns which is Kane Velasquez. He's got 34. You've got 62. So if you land six takedowns on Saturday, you'll have double the amount of the next best guy at wrestling uh, in heavyweight. Do you like having that kind of designation? Do you like looking at those stats and just see that you're lapping people? Oh,
3: huh. well, hell yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> having, we all want stats. We all want, that's a part of what's, what we use to uh, submit um, our legacy. That's, those are the, the numbers you use for debates, like in basketball. Like, who's the greatest of all time? Some people say MJ, some people say LeBron, some people say uh, um, Kareem Abdul Jabbar. But if you want to go by the stats, right now it's uh, uh, Kareem. He's got the most points, but LeBron, he might be passing them up on that in the next year or two, and then he'll have that that title and then people will be able to argue on his behalf with those numbers. It's almost the same thing with MMA. Like we, our stats aren't as heavy as like other sports, but we do have stats and that's, that's the stat to be proud of.
0: You're from Chicago. You know who the guy is.
3: Oh yeah. Well, Me, I'm saying MJ, but I know everyone else uh, all over the place.
0: Right, well, I'm I'm an '80s baby, so you're not gonna hear me arguing against MJ. I mean, I've never seen anybody take over games like Michael Jordan could, where you you'd put the I ball in his hands, triple
3: teamed, he'd get to the hoop. I've watched the highlights. He he did. He looked like a god on a basketball court. I won't lie. I watched the highlights, and I wish I could have been there live.
0: Yeah, it's a, it was a phenomenon. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you that much. And again, when I look at the the heavyweight division, and you look at the takedowns, there's nobody that could argue that the greatest wrestler in the history of the heavyweight yeah. division is you. And I'm, I'm sure that that's something that you like to to hang your hat on for sure.
3: Yeah, I mean, I wish I I would have had the opportunity to fight a healthy Velasquez or a prime uh, Daniel Cormier, because I know those are the Those are the names that people will argue against me being the best. And I can't... Those are good arguments because DC, we know he's accomplished outside of the octagon with his uh, wrestling accomplishments. And Velasquez, like, we know he only got, what'd you say, 32 or 34? 34. He could have had a lot more. He'd rather stand and bang. I know... I watch his fights. I see lots of opportunities. Like when he fought Junior Dos Santos the the second time, I think, he could have taken him down a bunch of times. But he just, I don't know, he likes to stand and bank.
0: Yeah, that's one of the greatest heavyweight performances of all time, is is that fight against JDS. Um, Where do you think you would place, I mean, this is some trivia for you, if you take just your Mark Hunt fight and your Volkov fight, where do you rank all-time heavyweights takedowns?
3: I forget how many I had against Hunt. It was like eight or nine. And then Volkov was like 13, 14. So let's go 13 plus eight, 21. I'd probably be like top five, I think. You'd be
0: tied for fifth place. I think it was 14 against Volkov mm-hmm. and 10 against Hunt. That's pretty impressive. I mean, that's okay, two yeah. fights. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not too bad. But, you know, I spoke to Chris Dawkins earlier today. And um, you, you guys have a lot in common, actually. His dad, he, of course, was a police officer, but his father was a police officer. He said that he had social anxiety growing up. He had a bad speech impediment. Um, and I know you've talked about that in the past as well. And he basically said, you know, after the fight, hopefully him and I can grab a beer. It seems like we, we'd be good friends. Hmm. Uh, do you have that same impression of I have of no Chris? animosity.
3: I, I have zero animosity. The only fighter that's ever brought animosity out of me, I hate to even bring him up because that's going to give him some shine, but it was big... Uh, pretty, Justin You called uh, him something Willis. different,
0: but yeah, Justin Willis. Yeah,
3: yeah, I won't <laughs> use that name. It's a little derogatory, but yeah, <laughs> Justin Willis. He's the only one that's ever really turned me up. Like Everyone else has been on business, all respect. So, yeah, I would be open to grabbing a beer after the fight. That's yeah, cool.
0: He was saying where you guys are staying in Columbus, though, it probably isn't going to be open. Apparently, it's a total ghost town there after 5 p.m.
3: Uh, yeah, I've... I've noticed a lot of the restaurants they close pretty early, like five or six. So you'd think on a weekend it'd be a little later, but this is my first time ever being out here in Columbus, so I don't know. From a lot of the
0: fighters I've spoken to, it seems like it's going to be the last time you guys are coming coming to Columbus unless uh, unless (laughs) those duty calls.
3: Well, yeah, I don't have any reason to be out here. I don't have any family. I don't have any homies. I don't. I don't have anything. I don't have any affiliation with. Um,
0: columbus ohio you're doing great in uh at team elevation in denver but i can't help but notice that chicago has had a real renaissance in terms of uh in terms of the fighters that are out there i mean juliana pena just captured a title she trains part-time in chicago of course bilal muhammad's in the main event coming up ignacio bahamunda's big up-and-comer do you ever think of moving back to chicago and training there are you happy settled in denver
3: i am happy with uh my teammates with the gym with the chemistry with my coaches with the env- environment like some gyms you never know the personalities that'll be in there I even, it might not even be a guy that you you have to you have to spar with or have to roll with but sometimes some people annoy me i'm weird like that and it's a blessing that i was able to find team elevation because i don't think I haven't had any issues with anyone there. Like uh, everyone there is v- very humble. From uh, Neil Magny, Justin Kiechi, Corey Sanhagen, even Alistair, when he was there, he was very humble. Like everyone's on the same vibe, and I like that vibe. I like, guess very helpful environment, a very team friendly environment. So, no, I can't. Um, if I were to leave. Colorado, it wouldn't be until after I retire.
0: All right. Well, it's great to hear that you found a great home there. You've, of course, got yeah. uh, Cody Donovan. You've got the ordained minister, Vinny Lopez himself, yeah. Austin Hubbard, yeah. in your corner. I heard learned that from your interview with James yeah. Lynch. Uh, always appreciate your time. Yeah. It's the main event. We're looking forward to hearing that Mortal Kombat music once more. Uh, yourself against Chris Dawkins. always a pleasure catching up with you, Curtis. Thank you.
3: Appreciate it.
0: Happy to be joined by Kai Kara France, who is going to be taking on Askar Askarov this weekend, high stakes flyweight bout. Do you believe that a win for whoever wins this fight is next in line for a flyweight title opportunity?
2: Definitely, it's all right in front of us. So um, that's all I'm focused on is the one guy in front of me, one fight at a time. But um, this is the people's main event. People are saying, you know, when the, when their uh, initial main main event card. Um, was cancelled. They thought this would jump in as the as the main headliner. But um, you know, everyone knows that uh, knows this division, and is a fight fan, that this is the number one contender fight. So, uh, you know, I'm focused. I'm ready to go. So I can't wait.
0: Well, those who do know the division know that there aren't a lot of fighters like Askarov in the flyweight division. He's pretty long for the division and utilizes his wrestling probably more often than a lot of the other fighters in the division. How does your approach change when you're facing a fighter like that?
2: Yeah. So. We've worked extensively on, I guess, wrestling and scrambling and getting back to our feet. There's no secret what I want to do. You know, I want to go in there and and test his chin and and uh, find my range and and um, throw bombs. So it's uh, just one of those things that uh, styles make matchups. You know, grappler versus striker. But I feel like he will struggle with me. I feel like he has to prove that. You know, he's uh, I guess well-rounded at being a year off a year away from the octagon. Uh, The pressure's on him. I only fought three months ago, coming off the biggest fight of my career, beating a former world champion, Cody Garbrandt, and um, that's just given me more confidence now. You know, coming off two first-round knockouts, that's what I bring to the table, is uh, exciting finishes, and uh, that's what I plan on doing Saturday, March 26th. It's my birthday, so uh, what better way than uh, get a highlight reel and uh, get a title shot?
0: Yeah, somebody would have told you you we're gonna spend your uh, birthday in lovely Columbus, Ohio. I'm sure you would have been thrilled. (laughs)
2: <laughs> there's the running joke around here everyone keeps asking what's columbus like i was like, what's here <laughs> we live, we're in this uh the business district so there's not much around us so i'm sure there's more more to offer but uh we've got a fight in front of us so that's all i'm focused on
0: i spoke to chris Dawkins like an hour ago and he said he got into town yesterday and they went to go out for dinner at like 5:30, and it was like it was a ghost town he said he couldn't believe it
2: yeah it's pretty surreal like pretty airy walking around and there's just no one around and there's not many businesses open or, or things open so uh luckily enough i've just been chilling in my hotel really hanging out with the rest of the team um and, and just kind of uh yeah just resting and recovering did a lot of the team just come back
0: from uh from london
2: yeah so i met my head coach eugene and twist uh in ohio i flew alone and i met my my wrestling coach frank and Geordie, the fight dietitian, my nutritionist, here as well. So uh, it, was a, it was a different kind of trip. Everyone was already somewhere in the world, so we all met up here. So it's awesome to have everyone back together. Uh, with all these restrictions in New Zealand, we've kind of had to pick and choose what fight nights we can do. But now the borders are back open, so we can come back and forth whenever we want. So now we're yeah, back to normal, um, which is great. You know, I'd like to have that same structure and routine every time now.
0: Yeah, I spoke to Dan about that last week. And he was saying that he doesn't like to worry about things that he can't control, but because things have changed and the restrictions have loosened and all of that, he just says that he could feel so much less weight on him all week uh, and, and you know coming into the fight. Do you feel the same way? Like yeah. just just having that knowledge that you're going to be able to basically travel freely after this, see your family, everything is going to be you know there's there's no uh, balls in the air. Everything is under control.
2: Yeah, exactly. It's something that definitely put uh, something in the back of your mind when you're going into fight week. Okay, when's I'm going to, when am I going to see my family next? Is it going to be a week? Is it going to be two months? Uh, but now, you know, we can just fight, do what we need to do, and then come back and, and um, soak up that family time. So obviously having a, a young family, my son's just uh, over a year old now. Um, this is what gives me purpose. This is what I do. And providing for a family now gives me that, I guess, stability and, and keeps me grounded. And I'm uh, just trying to better myself every day, trying to be the best version of myself inside and outside the cage. So, uh, I feel like that's, that's what you've seen from me of lately, you know, coming into that maturity, which, uh, crosses over in the ring where I'm just more calm and more at ease and, and, uh, controlling what you can. Just like what Dan said, um, you, you can't really focus on things that are out of your hands and, and now having stuff that's, you know, in your hands now, you can have your normal coaches and your your normal teammates with you. Um, yeah, I, I'm happy with the camp that we've put together.
0: You fought three times during the pandemic. How did that affect your home life with with a young one at home and, and having to navigate through those circumstances?
2: So when my son was born, two weeks later, I had to leave for six weeks. So that was pretty hard on my partner. Uh, obviously, we've got a great support system around us, but just not being there physically was definitely hard, but I guess everyone goes through that. Um Everyone has some sort of sacrifice that they have. But uh this is what I love to do. I, I love to fight and I love to put New Zealand on the on the map and it's the movement at the moment, you know. So many Australasian athletes are doing so well, you know, Taito vasa coming off a massive win, uh, the high caliber of fighters at my gym, you know, Israel, Alex, Brad, uh, you know, Dan. It's uh it keeps the gym at a high standard, so um when we go over there, we're well prepared. We're ready for kind of anything, anything that happens. Um, but yeah, having having fought three times in this pandemic, uh, I'd love to fight you know more often every year. Um, usually I fight four times a year. Usually that's that's my normal. So uh, now that the borders are back open, we can get back to that and uh, get back to doing what we love to do, which, which is fighting and um, climbing the ranks and let's get the title shot. Let's get, let's bring it back to New Zealand. Let's um, have a have a show in New Zealand or Australia. It's about time, you know.
0: Well, now that the restrictions have been eased, I think you can share something with me. Because I'm curious, how close was CKB to coming over to the U.S. and setting up shop until all of this blew over? I mean, was it was it very close to happening?
2: This, that idea was changing, like, daily. It was like, okay, we're going to Australia now. Okay, no, no we're going to Vegas. Okay, no, no, we're going to um, Denver. It just, it, yeah, it was hard to even keep up. I, I was just ready to commit, you know, I was just like, sweet, I'll tell my family, um, I'm going to pack them up and they'll bring them with me. Um, so every every week I was like, okay, no, we don't have to do that now. And then uh, now finally we can just be normal and, and on an even playing field like everyone else. We were getting messages from gyms over in America saying, we'd love to host you guys, we'd love to have you part of our gym. TJ Dillashaw was messaging coach uh, our coach Eugene saying, you know, I'd love to join the team. So uh, we're a hot hot commodity you know in in America everyone wanted to jump on board but the thing is we're going to keep our our circle small you know we can't we can't just um, I guess team up with other other big gyms out there and and expect them not to kind of take notes and and see what we're doing and integrate it into their system obviously because it's working Um, yeah so it's it's actually better that we're we're so far away from everyone because for years now they overlooked us and they didn't really uh, they didn't think too much of us, but now that um, we've got so many champions, they are uh, yeah, they're, they're definitely taking notes now.
0: And Eugene has a playbook. He doesn't want to share that playbook. He, he keeps it close to the best He's like a football coach, I guess American football. I would I would say he, he yes. has he has his plays, yes. and I think that a lot of people don't understand just how intricate his strategies are. Is that is that probably the case? He doesn't really want to to spread that information to those outside of the circle
2: yeah definitely this isn't all by chance you know what we're doing is is very direct and very uh, strategic and um it would it would be a bit of luck if it was just one of us doing really well, but you know everyone's um doing so well in their careers so uh, I know that um there's there's just so many levels to to what we're doing and especially in our stand up people don't really it goes over people's heads you know the setups the angles the distance the range. Um, the feints, the footwork. And there's so so much levels to it. So um, they, they think they know they think they know what we're doing, but they don't. They don't understand it. So we want to keep that card close to our chest. And um, yeah, I guess being in New Zealand, being so far away, um, and having the borders shut, people couldn't come over and train, or they they watch fight footage and they they try. Emulate it, but you can't emulate it because you you realize it's the people that make the gym. It's not the facility. Um, it's the energy in the gym, and uh, it's contagious. That's why everyone's uh, yeah so successful.
0: I wanted to get your take on Mohammed Mukhaev, who fought this past weekend. I don't know if you saw his fight, but very young kid potentially could be the the youngest champion in UFC history. Of course, he'd have to get through you first. But what did you think of his performance?
2: You know, I've I've known about him for a little while. I've had teammates that have coached him over in Thailand. Um so yeah he's you know he did he did really well in his debut um you know something that uh he can uh finally you know take off and, and um start i guess taking out some names um but yeah i i I feel like he did a great job uh, a lot of hype behind this kid undefeated obviously in his amateur career and, and now in his pro pro, uh, pro career um so uh, he needs to you know fight some credible names first before he can start talking about titles and um, I guess you know we'll see him at the top if he's uh, the hype he, he's uh, been building up. So um, yeah, only only good things to say. And uh, I guess yeah, exciting future. Uh, he's so young, you know, only twenty one. So um, definitely got a lot of potential. And um, yeah, just gotta just gotta fight. UFC will will definitely give you the hard matchups that you need to progress and, and mature. And uh, he's in a good place.
0: And final question for you. It looks like the quadrilogy. Bout is going to be uh, targeted between Moreno and Figueredo. Is it pointless to ask people for yeah. a prediction for this fight? Like, if I ask you, who do you think is going to win? Does it, This is a, as close a, uh, a matchup as it gets in MMA. Do you have a prediction
2: yeah. for this fight? Is it worth asking for a prediction? <laughs> well, like, uh, this is probably the first time I've been asked this question. It's not. It's probably the hundredth time I've been <laughs> asked this question. Um, yeah, it's definitely a great matchup. You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan of the the rivalry that they've got going um i feel like yeah, it's such a close close call the first few, three fights were so close um or oh, especially the last one i thought brandon actually won it but uh you know it's something that i'm not too invested in right now i've got a fight in front of me so that's all i'm focused on when the time's right and um you know i get past asco asker off then we can be more uh you know more watching a, a lot more closely but for now you know i'm not really too worried about these guys whoever's a champ at the time when it's the right when it's my time um that's who i'll be fighting so a lot of story tales you could uh go off you know moreno being uh former champ and me actually uh going the distance with him so it'd be great you know story tale of the rematch and, and me dropping him you know, twice in that fight or going up against Figueroa, who's a big puncher you know one of the uh more similar styles to me in the division, you know, goes for um, knockouts, goes for finishes, um, you know, and and we could settle it there. But, yeah, it's not something that I'm too invested in right now. Uh, I'm focused on me, March 26th, my birthday, and uh, I'm going to earn my uh, title shot. I'm not just going to sit back and wait for things to happen.
0: Well, don't don't loop me in with the other hundred people. I didn't ask for a prediction. I asked whether it was worth making a prediction because of how close yeah. it is. So let's <laughs> look, loop me out of that hundred. Uh, happy early birthday to you. Looking forward to seeing you do your thing on Saturday. Hopefully, celebrating a birthday in the the crazy streets of Columbus, Ohio. Uh, after the fact, <laughs> appreciate your time and look forward to speaking with you again soon.
2: Thank you. Appreciate the time and uh, take care.
0: Big thank you to Chris Dawkins, Curtis Blades, Kai Carr, France. Fantastic Fight card this weekend coming up in Columbus, Ohio. And big thank you for listening to this elongated podcast. You know, we used to put the interviews and myself and Joe in one single podcast. This week it seemed like a good time to do it. Didn't have as much time with Joe. Only three interviews this week. So you get kind of a longer form version of the TSN MMA show. And if you hung around this long, I just need you for another couple minutes. Because I need you to go to wherever you get this podcast, leave a five-star review, and say something nice about the show. That's it. If you can do that for me, I would really appreciate it. It helps uh, the SEO value, so to speak, of this particular show. And we want more people to listen and uh, celebrate these fantastic athletes in the world of mixed martial arts. Uh, thank you for listening. We'll be back next week.
1: Thanks for listening to the TSN MMA Show. For all the latest UFC news, visit tsn.ca slash